two, two Sundays ago, um, it was a rough day, uh, the AFC championship and other things going on. I, uh, I, I shared God's word, and in the afternoon, I just started to feel real weird and real bad. And over the next 24, 48 hours, I, uh, I had to go into urgent care, and I uh, was told I had shingles. And it was unpleasant. Um, and if you've never had it, I pray you never get it. Uh, it's more common in, in older folks. Candace has been calling me old man uh, the last two weeks, and um, uh, four or five days of, of some pain with that. Thank you for your prayers. Those that were aware of that, I know you were praying for me, and I really appreciated it. Was able to just fully recover and, uh, and then travel this last week. Uh, we missed you last Sunday when we're not here. We, we just want to be here. We love being with you, and um, we had a good time at a conference and seeing family in Florida, but I... Uh, I'm so excited to be back here with you today, be healthy and back in the pulpit. We are kicking off a new series today. For the next three weeks throughout February, we're going to be talking about relationships, and we're calling it Better Because of You. I think that each and every one of us want people to be able to look at us and say, I am better because of you. I'm better off. My life has a better trajectory. I have a better view of myself. I have better vision. I had a better experience at work today. I had a better experience in school because you're in my class, because you're a part of my life. That's the kind of people we want to be. Um, And so in this series, we want to help you build relationship skills. Better relationship skills add value to everything in your life. Adds value to your family, your friendships, your romance, your witness. If you get better relationally, everything else gets better. Um, So this morning, I I just want to talk about a few areas of our lives that we may be undisciplined in. You know, everybody, no matter how great they are, they have areas of undiscipline that need uh, to be t- tuned up and need to come in line with God's Word, some relationship skill in your life that needs work. Some people uh, call these things toxic traits. Have you ever heard that phrase? Toxic traits. Um, toxic boxes that we have checked that need some work, that have our relationships stuck. And so today, um, we're going to lower some maybe red flags that we have raised that we aren't even uh, aware of and hopefully burn those flags so that we can move forward in a relationship that is stuck. Um, And maybe you have a relationship in your life that is just not growing, a relationship that seems to have run its course no matter what dreams you have for that relationship, you just can't seem to get it to flourish or thrive. It's in a deadlock. It's at a stalemate, in a stagnant place. Well, detoxifying ourselves and removing some bad relationship skills from our lives can help us move those relationships forward. In your notes today, would you title this message, Detox Out of Deadlocks? Detox Out of deadlocks. We want to turn those connections into something that is life-giving and missional. If you're with me, could you say amen? If you're with me, could you say a better amen today? (laughs) Amen. If you don't want life-giving relationships, you're not interested in that, um, you probably see them as unimportant or unappealing, and that's likely because something in your past is keeping you from your future. Something in your past is keeping you from the good things that God has for you in your future. Maybe you were abused, divorced, backstabbed, slandered, 
had your heart broken, and you think, I would rather be isolated than be that miserable. I can be that frustrated and hurt all by myself. I don't need to put in the work of a relationship to be in that place. Let me remind you what God's Word says. If you're, if you're in that place where you just want to be on a lazy river raft, nobody splash me, nobody make waves, I don't want hit by your ripples, don't flip my inner tube, I'm just here to be by myself and be at peace. If you're in that place, let me remind you what God's Word says. It says it's not good for man to be alone. He who finds a wife finds a good thing. A man who has friends must show himself friendly. Greater love has no man than this, that he lays down his life for his friends. There is greatness that God wants to unlock in you through friendship. Um, above all, love each other deeply. Don't just love abstract things. Don't just plug yourself into your VR headset I had my first experience with some people with their VR headsets this week. And um, I, it, it was very bizarre. They had their VR headsets on, and we were in, uh, in an area of Orlando called Disney Springs. It's very busy. There's people everywhere. And there were some folks that were only focused on what was right here in front of them and not the thousands of people that were around them. And they were running into folks, just running into folks. And um, not paying any attention to anybody around. You know, it, it, there's something about loving each other deeply that the enemy wants to distract us from by having us waste our time on things that will have no kingdom fruit. Just wasting our lives hours and hours a day plugged into digital and fake universes when there's a broken universe right in front of us that God's trying to develop us to make a difference in. Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers a multitude of sins. Do not neglect meeting with each other, but encourage each other more and more and more. I'm seeing this sanctuary. I'm seeing the life and the fullness of this sanctuary this morning, and I'm seeing people that want to meet together, that want to encourage each other, that see that there's value in being together, of surrounding yourself with people that will reinforce your faith decisions and encourage you to live the life that God has for you. I love meeting together. Well, God's calling us to these things, and we need to lean into relationships. There's a, there's a term for people who we naturally want to avoid, and it, it, it's, we want to avoid them because it is not possible to have a healthy, functional relationship for them. This has become a psychological catchphrase in our culture, and that word is toxic, toxic. That just means that someone will have a detrimental effect and influence on you when you interact with them. In our culture, we use it a little bit differently than the Bible would use it. Spiritual toxicity is a little bit different than cultural definition of toxicity that we see today. The culture would say any, uh, they would just demonize anything that makes us feel uncomfortable. If you're in my life, and you just make me feel uncomfortable, you're toxic to me. And that's not a biblical definition of toxic. This cultural thought is one that takes that lazy river mentality very seriously. Good vibes only. Nothing is as important as my comfort. It says uh, that, hey, if you trigger me, if you don't spark joy, I'm just going to block you, unsubscribe, bye-bye. You're out of my life. I will cut you out completely. Now, in the Bible, there are those Jesus walked away from. There are. It's not unchristian. There are those Jesus walked away from and asserted boundaries towards. 
There are relationally and spiritually toxic people that Scripture calls us to avoid. 1 Corinthians 15.33 says, don't be misled, bad company corrupts good character. And how about this? In 2, Corinthians, uh, 2 Timothy 3, we say, understand that in the last days, there will be difficult times. People will be lovers of all the wrong things, misordered loves, self, money. They will be proud and arrogant, abusive and disobedient. They'll, they'll just be wrecked relationally. They won't even how, know how to get their basic family relationships correct. Ungrateful and unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous and without self-control. They will be brutal, not loving good, treacherous and reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, and having the appearance, the appearance of godliness but denying its power. Here we go. Avoid such people. Spiritual toxicity is different than ick vibes. It's different than merely difficult or unpleasant or even unsaved people. We should be reluctant to use the word toxic. We don't throw it around or use it as an excuse to abdicate or abandon people who God has called us to. There are difficult people in our lives. There are prickly people thorny people in our lives that God has given us to serve, maybe to work with or work for, maybe to, uh, they're part of the family that we are in, and uh, God is giving us opportunities with them to have an influence in their life. Some use this label much too broadly and as an excuse to avoid difficult and different people, hurting people. More on determining what spiritual toxicity shortly, but for now, can we just be ignorant for a moment and understand uh, and observe that sin poisons. Sin is the thing that, uh, that just gets into our relationships, and unchecked, it makes us venomous, even to the people we love the most the people we get along with the most. Whether we have tails rattling like a rattlesnake where we know there's venom in them or not, even if we have the appearance of godliness, there is something about sin when it goes unchecked in our lives that has a detrimental and harmful rela- uh, impact in our relationships. If we don't detoxify ourselves, we are choosing to at least limit how strong our relationships and how close they can be. And at the most we are choosing a tragic ending for our relationships. At least limit them, at most, just a devastating story of how that relationship's going to go. Ephesians 4 says, get rid of all bitterness. This is talking about us, detoxifying ourselves. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. So the first thing we wanted to detoxify today is simple. It's simple. It's a popular passage because it's a good passage. And if we don't learn from it, if we don't put this into practice, then we are going to go through relationships like chicken wings during the Super Bowl. We're going to go from friend group to friend group to friend group, church to church to church, with just wreckage in our path and scorched earth behind us. It's important that we get the, this simple teaching down. So the first thing, the first red flag we want to take out is triangulation. 
And we want to learn to be direct in our communication, to be direct with people. My sign team is coming to help me out with a little illustration this morning. And this is what Matthew 18, 15, and 16 says. It says, if your brother or sister listens, uh, I'm sorry, if your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. That's a direct line. If they listen to you, you have won them over. But if they will not listen, take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. Well, thank you very much. We have Cush and Alex and Sherrod up here this morning. Thank you guys for being willing to be my sign team. You look great. Your signs are clear. I love it. This is going to be, how simple is this going to be? It's going to be ABC. Very, very simple this morning. Um, the sinful nature determines what is natural for somebody outside of the redemptive work of Jesus and the spirit nature, the active work of the Holy Spirit sanctifying us. That's what sinful nature means. It means what is natural for us in our sinful and broken state. It's a predisposition towards dysfunction. So my natural function is dysfunction in the sinful nature. It's that warping of our fallen world that bends our hearts towards sin. There's already kind of this crooked slant. You know, you need to get your tires aligned every once in a while, or you, you just let go of the steering wheel and you go right off the road. That is what the sinful nature does to our hearts. And, and this is how it plays out relationally. When we have an issue, when there's offense, when our brother or sister sins against us, what feels natural to us is not Matthew 18. It's not to go to that person and address the sin. Rather, uh, we want not to rescue the relationship, but to rescue our pride, our ego, and here we go, back to our vision for the year, rescue our own glory. And so the sinful nature leads us to do that, but the spirit nature sees the beauty of Christ and his love in the church, in our relationships. How will they know Jesus? By the way you love one another, right? We see the beauty of Christ in our relationships, and we want to protect and preserve the unity of the Holy Spirit. So here's, here's how it plays out often. Person A has conflict with person B. We're going to say that person B did not go to person A's basketball game, okay? Cush had a basketball game. He was hoping Alex would be there. Alex never showed up, Alex. Why? Wow. And he doesn't go to Alex to talk about it, but rather he comes over to Sherrod to tell Sherrod how frustrated he is with person B. He says, man, I am so mad. Alex blew off my game. He promised me, he promised me that he would be there. And then I went 0 for 12, and the crowd made fun of my haircut, and the coach said I have to use a volleyball in practice from now on, and my girlfriend broke up with me, and my life's ruined. Now, Sherrod's listening to Kush share this, and Sherrod's getting frustrated with Alex. He's getting upset with person B. So person C sees person B, and he says, you know, in, in what we just heard there, let's just understand, was not objective truth but typically, we go and we share our feeling and experience with limited understanding, with a lot of exaggeration. We're not sharing the objective truth. We're sharing our perspective, our feeling, and our experience of it. Sometimes, our feelings are disproportionate to the offense. 
so he sees, uh, Sherrod sees Alex, and he was like, hey, man, I, uh, I heard you blew off uh, Kush's game over there. And um, Alex says, oh, man, that totally slipped my mind. He brought up the idea of coming to that game, but we never made firm plans for it. And then I was at the vet all day because my pet is really sick, and I wasn't able to go. And so person C hears a much different version. Like, are we even talking about the same event? Totally different version. This is uh, what Proverbs 18, 17 says. It says, the first one to plead his cause seems right until his neighbor comes and examines him. Until we hear that second perspective, that first perspective always seems correct. You know, what, uh, what Cush did to Sherrod, what person A did to person C, we, you, may have, you may call this gossip or venting. And it's often a distortion of reality like the telephone game. We're getting further away from the events that actually happen from the truth. This is not conflict resolution. This is conflict multiplication. This is how conflict grows. Without healthy tools like directness in our toolbox, any slight slight can turn into a scandal. Any relationship hurdle can become a public spectacle. If you've ever seen a reality TV show, you may as well just name that reality TV show Triangulation, because that's all that happens. Chriselle told Kayla R. that Kayla S. gave her a side eye, and now everybody's taking sides about it. That is uh, almost every reality TV show you see, and you know what? It's almost every relationship culture in the world. Friend group to friend group to friend group. And, and I'm not picking on ladies. Ladies, I'm not picking you on this morning. At Trinity, we don't have the real housewives of Trinity. We have a sisterhood here that is spirit-empowered and supportive and encouraging and discerning. And that's why you need to be a part of the sisterhood. Uh, guys, this happens just as much with men as it does with women. There is a spiritual pathology that is broken that points us away from directness and towards triangulation. So let me just talk for this morning for a moment about ways to be direct. Number one, be resolution-oriented, not avoidant. We have generations growing up that have become digital natives, and that's fantastic. It opens up a, a lot of opportunities and possibilities. However, it removes us from people a little bit relationally. It makes us a little bit less direct from day one in our lives. And, and it's so much easier to, to just post comments and to say things that you normally wouldn't say to somebody's face, right? When people grow up in a culture like that, and they're also, in, in one ear, they're pumped, good vibes only is just pumped into their minds all the time. Everybody's toxic if they make you feel uncomfortable. Don't be direct with them. Just cut them out. Just walk away. Just cut them off. You don't need to go through a conflict. That's it, that's ick. That's not fun. Just walk away. And so we're, we're losing a cultural baseline, a monoculture where we know how to communicate with one another, and it's, it's being a little bit fragmented by our digital spaces. So it's important that we put this into practice. Avoidance is becoming the cultural norm. And when we realize, man, I'm bent towards avoidance, it's going to take some spiritual courage in, in a some spiritual maturity being developed in me so that I can participate in the community of faith, a community that's all about sharing. It's all about loving one another. It's all about giving to one another. It's all about uh, not forsaking meeting together, but encouraging each other. So when we have that awareness, 
We need to be able to look at somebody and say, I've got a problem with what's going on with us. I don't like where our relationship is. I want to be your friend, and I want to be on the same page. I want to be in peace. Can we talk? That's a very simple thing I just said. But we need to be able to become good at saying that. And when Jesus is more important to us than our own comfort, we'll get better and better and better at saying it. Because we want to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the beauty the beauty of the Trinity, the perfect uh, relational peace example, the Trinity inside of our church and inside of our relationships. So uh, we want to be courageous like that, not attack people, but come in humility with the person's best interest at heart, get things out in the light. And, and you know, when you are able to do this, when you're able to take ownership of the direction of a relationship, healthy becomes possible. You're saying, hey, it might not be my fault, but it is my problem. I'm a part of this thing. It's my problem. And when you take ownership, healthy becomes possible. Somebody has to be the first one to make the first move, to send that first text, to reach out to that person so that healthy can become possible. I know I used a really silly basketball, nonsensical illustration, but you have a relationship in your life that has been detrimentally affected by the, the avoidance that's in our hearts. Second thought is be humble. And my sign team has been very patient. This is where I need your guys' help. Um, there's, this, uh, there's this understanding that each of us needs to have. To break out of a sinful personality disorder, to understand that each of us will be each of these people. You will not always be the one who is getting offended and getting hurt. Each of us will hurt people's feelings. You are not perfect. You need to be humble so that you can be in healthy relationships. Without humility, this can go from dysfunctional to toxic real fast. And this is an example of, uh, of a toxic pathology, character pathology, that leads us to having a psyche where people can only occupy three places in our mind. Um, in pathology, that's just cause and effect, studying how some, what causes something else. There are those that have a pathology where the effect will always be that they are the victim. They cannot be wrong. They cannot hurt other people. They are always right, so they will always be the victim. No matter what has occurred, this is the lane they will occupy. If you come to that person and you say, you hurt my feelings, they will reframe it and say, can you believe this person? Who do they think they are? They're judging me. They're condemning me. They're trying to correct me. And instantly they will become the victim again. And that person that was hurt by them will become the persecutor. The persecutor is the one that is making them feel uncomfortable, hurt, offended, betrayed, backstabbed, gossiped about, whatever. And sometimes they may be 100% right. Somebody did offend them. But there is a pathology that will uh, preclude them from having a peaceful outcome. Because instead of going to that person, like Matthew 18 tells us, they will look for lane three, which is a rescuer. Someone that will agree with them and come not to fight for the peace in the relationship, they will come and fight for their pride, fight for their ego, fight for their glory, and back up their offense. Yeah, you should be offended. Yeah, that person is awful. 
And so instead of having a savior and a peacemaker, they find a human rescuer. And as soon as this rescuer, as soon as this rescuer is anything but 100% supportive, they will then become a persecutor. So if they say, well, what happened? And they're telling him, and you say, well, actually, Alex has a point. His, his pet was sick, and he couldn't come to your basketball game, and you really didn't make firm plans that he would be there. Immediately, Cush puts Sherrod in the persecutor, persecutor lane because in this, in this relationship pathology, there's not room for people to be multidimensional. You're all bad, or you're all good, you're all supporting me as the victim, or you're all my persecutor. Now, when we start to put into practice what Jesus teaches us, these folks take on a different role. Would you guys flip your signs over? Cush becomes bit, but not bitter. He's offended, but he realizes Alex is not the enemy. The enemy is the enemy. Alex is not the enemy. So I will not be poisoned by the conflict and the, the, the uh, brokenness of the enemy in my relationship with Alex. I'm going to go to Alex. I'm going to be direct. I'm going to be clear for him because Alex is not my betrayer. He's my beloved. Alex is part of this, this family with me. He's my brother in Christ. He's somebody that God has given me to love. He is my beloved, not my betrayer, and I refuse to look at him that way. Maybe he even betrayed me, but he's my beloved. So I'm going to be direct with him, and I'm going to go to him, and I'm going to treat him like my beloved and work towards a peaceful resolution to our conflict. And, and if that doesn't work, just like Matthew 18, 15, and 16 taught us, then Cush can bring in Sherrod. And Sherrod isn't there just to back up Cush and gang up on Alex. He's there to be a bridge, not a bully, a mediator on the side of the truth, on the side of the truth. So this is the, this is the framework Jesus has given us. How simple is this, right? ABC, ABC. But how complicated it gets when we think uh, a, a few things that are, that are just broken. I'm going to hit a couple of those things in a second. Sign team, would you give it up for our sign team? You guys did a great job. Appreciate you guys. Now, if something is pinballing, let's say your sibling calls you, and your sibling wants to talk to you about your other sibling, or your cousin, or your parents, or whoever else, it's important that we learn to connect not deflect. Connect, not deflect. If something's pinballing around, just bouncing, 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 and uh, somebody tells us that someone has hurt them, say, hold on a second. Let's the three of us get on a phone call. Let's the three of us get together and talk about it. I don't want to entertain conversation about that person without them in the room. If I'm really going to be on the side of peace and on the side of the relationship, I can't go further with you in this conversation without involving them. So it's important that we <clears throat> are just communicate simply to people. I don't feel comfortable talking with you when they're not included. I am in the service of rev resolution. I am in the service of peace. I am in the service of community and unity. A counselor, sometimes you need to talk something through with a counselor. And can I just tell you, this is how you evaluate your counselor. Is your counselor there? to be divisive, or is your counselor willing to tell you what you don't want to hear 
so that you can see your blind spots and so you can move towards resolution. That's a good counselor. If your counselor is just there to clap you up and put a sticker on your back each week, find a new counselor. You're paying too much anyway. Find a new counselor. Find a counselor that's willing to tell you the things you don't want to hear to be on the side of health and peace in your relationships. So connect, don't deflect. And can I just say this too? If it's too petty for you to bring up with somebody, they did something, you didn't really like it, you didn't speak to it, you didn't want to cause drama. By the way, trying not to cause drama is a big wide road towards causing drama. But if it was too petty for you to go and talk to them about, then it's too petty for you to bring up around anybody else. If you say, you know what, I can just put that under grace. Love covers a multitude of sins. I'm good. This isn't holding me back. It doesn't change the way I see or feel about them. I've given it. It's good. Okay. But if you keep dwelling on it, you need to go to them directly and talk about it. And you definitely don't need to bring it up with anybody else. Unresolved actions become unresolved emotions that leads to having a troubled heart, that leads to having a... troubled relationships that leads to having a tragic story. So if, if there's some insignificant thing, but it's festering, it's going to turn into awkwardness, it's going to turn into tension, which is going to turn into retaliation, which is going to turn into disconnection. We have to love unity. We have to love being united more than we love separation and division. We have to love it. Um, there's a book that's really helpful Uh, along these lines. It's called When to Walk Away. When to Walk Away. And um, it's by Gary Thomas. It's a book that our pastoral team read a few years ago. And it helps define what uh, biblical toxicity is, spiritual toxicity is. And I'm going to touch on it in just a moment. Um, This is a super helpful resource that's at the mini store today. If you're watching online. It's also a link in the chat if you want to click that. Um, And I highly, highly recommend it, especially if you're walking in a long-term relationship with someone who's very thorny and difficult to handle and prickly in your life. Some great tools in there. And also, I just want to be an advocate for another resource. There are 90 courses on specific relationship dynamics that can really help you by Dr. Henry Cloud on boundaries.me. The Boundaries book, we've done it as a growth group here before. It's such a healthy way to bring... I'll call them guardrails, right? Guardrails that are, that are biblically um, created with Scripture to back them up. Um, guardrails in your relationships. If you're a single person and you're dating and you want to date the right way. If you're married, if you have children, if you have in-laws, um, if you're divorced, if you have uh, any number of uh, broken, brokenness in relationships, this book can really, really help you. So I just want to advocate for it. Now, in that book... There is a list uh, in that When to Walk Away book. There's a list of spiritual toxicity traits. It's a toxicity test. And I'm just going to flash it up here as a commercial. We're not going to read through this, but this is a little test you can walk through in that book that will help you evaluate your relationships. Okay, that's it. I don't want you to, I don't want you to memorize it. Um, I want to point you to that fuller resource. The, the last thing I want to share with you today is... Um, beyond that red flag of triangulation that we so often do that's toxic in our relationships. We need to be direct with people. But the, the, the other thing I want to share with you today is you may be somebody that is boundaryless. You have no relational 
defense in your life. And you need to learn to set boundaries. When we don't have any relational defense, toxic people prey on us. They prey on us until we become toxic ourselves. How can you not be a toxic person? Have good boundaries in your life so you don't let there be a detrimental effect and influence by toxic people in your life. Some of us are in deadlock relationships that we need to walk away from because the the people we're in a relationship with will embitter us or will distract us from our purpose and make us waste time and energy. Proverbs 26 says, Do not answer a fool according to his folly, or you yourself will be just like him. A lot of us have this false Christian guilt that says, uh, it's just, it just feels unchristian to walk away from somebody that is being harmful to us or our family. That we shouldn't remove ourselves because Jesus allowed him to be hurt, himself to be hurt by people. He went to the cross for us. So it just doesn't feel right that I put up a boundary and I have any separation or even removal from a prickly person in my life. That's not a a biblically holistic view of the ministry of Christ. He was full of gentleness and he was also forceful. He was very forceful and he was confrontational with people that needed their sinful behavior to be addressed. Catch this. A lot of times we can shift into a false Christian codependency with people that we should be putting boundaries up with. Because giving people love without acknowledging their sin just empowers their toxicity to grow and grow and grow. It's enablement. Jesus was on the cross in his fullest display of grace, and he still was full of truth. Remember what he he said to God, to the Father? He said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. He didn't say they weren't doing it. He names their sin even as he loves them. They're doing something wrong. God, forgive them. Forgive them. Jesus always named the sin, always called out what was wrong and loved anyway. Here's a good way for us to understand it. Satan can stop God's people not from loving and caring. He can't stop us from loving and caring about people, but he can stop us from creating fruit because he takes this ministry that's flowing through us, the glory that's being reflected in the mirror that we are, and he'll have us have that clear living water flow through us, but pour it straight into the gutter, quenching the thirst of no one and creating no fruit. There are people that who cannot appreciate what is holy in their current state. Jesus said, do not give dogs what is sacred and do not give your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. Ouch. If you hear this and you do not understand this principle that Jesus let people walk away from him and even Jesus walked away from some. He didn't chase them in their deception. He presented the truth, he was direct and clear, and then he let people walk away, and he even walked away from some. If if we understand that, this scripture verse right here becomes gold for us. Dogs, they reject the purest, most compelling truth. You give them your best, and it's totally wasted on them, and they will resent you. Pigs, in Jesus' day, pearls were not synthetic. 
You couldn't make a pearl. They were incredibly rare. In one parable, a man had to sell everything he had to buy a pearl, a pearl of great price. If a pig went to eat one, it would not break down in the pig's mouth and stomach, and he would spit out the treasure and be mad at you for feeding him that pearl. And he would turn back to the pig slop, which he really has an appetite for. Now, the pearl could buy lifetime supplies of pig slop, but that pig was incapable of appreciating the value of a pearl. There are some people that look at your life that you're sold out for the kingdom of God and you're investing your life into ministry and you're giving into the church and you're, you're aligning yourself with the kingdom of heaven and they see the glory shining, but they're so darkened and blinded that they don't understand it because there's no practical use for the gospel in the heart of somebody who is toxic, spiritually toxic, and hasn't come to a place of openness. The gospel says... In 1 Corinthians 2.14, the person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are not discerned only through the Spirit. And when we give all of what is good, all of ourselves, to people who are toxic and unreceptive towards us, it just invites their hatred. Whoever corrects a mocker invites insults. Whoever rebukes the wicked incurs abuse. Do not rebuke mockers or they will hate you. Rebuke the wise and they will love you. Say, God, show me who you want me to be investing myself into, my time into. Mm. You may say, well, if this is the truth, who can be saved? How could any of us be saved if this is the case? And that is uh, an understandable objection. But understand, if we spend all our time trying to save people who aren't ready to be saved, we will be losing others who are. Uh, I like the way Gary Thomas handles this objection. He says, this, this dilemma, he says, four words have helped him conserve time and energy. No conviction, no counsel. If the person has no conviction in their soul, if, if God is not already working on them in a demonstrative and evident way, then do not waste your counsel on them. We have to learn to discern whether God is already working in somebody's heart. There's a big difference between reasoning with someone and arguing with someone, and it's the condition of their heart. Let the natural consequences of toxic behavior do the work do their work, and let those natural consequences open a person up and humble them. If you try to cure a patient before they know they need the cure, you will cre create resentment and not gratitude. This is a tough teaching, but we cannot, we cannot bring a toxic relationship into health without boundaries without setting up boundaries. And the goal is to not remove the person, to not remove the relationship, but to remove the toxicity. There are ways to cut people out without cutting people off. There are ways to limit their influence and interaction with you without um, totally cutting off a relationship, without totally closing in a, a, a pathway, an opportunity to communicate into their heart. So how do we set boundaries? 
Well, we need to evaluate fruitless friendships. Dogs and pigs, you only have one life. Jesus didn't let the needs and pleas and and attacks and unresponsiveness of others distract him from the mission he had been given by the Heavenly Father. So we need to be able to ask that question. No conviction, no counsel. We should be patient and generous with true earnest seekers. But if someone is hard set against the things of God, we don't argue. That just makes them despise us anyway. Second thing is we need to have boundaries which is not the same as holding grudges. Having boundaries is not the same thing as holding grudges. Way to set boundary is to first off understand that I'm not just saying, good vibes only in my life, forget you, I cut you out completely. Now that's just a grudge you have against someone who made you feel uncomfortable. The goal with having a boundary is to uh, set up some health to keep that person in your life, not to get them out of your life. If someone communicates a boundary to you, more often than not, if they're doing it in a scriptural way, they're communicating a boundary to you to keep you in their life so they don't have to cut you out of their life. Consider what's going on with them. Consider their needs. And you can ask, man, how can I leave the toxicity behind instead of leaving the relationship behind? I would like to continue our relationship. I want it to be good. Whenever you would like to strike it up again, I'd love to continue this, but here's my boundary. Here's my boundary. I'm not cutting you off, but I'm cutting you out. Here's my boundary. When you want to continue, I'm here, and I'd love to continue. This is one of the keys to not becoming toxic ourselves. If we keep that person in our life, they will destroy our peace. They will destroy our health and will become toxic as well. Boundaries are of God. Give them a clear boundary. And, and you know, when we see somebody that's acting in a broken way, we can have compassion. When evil has invaded a coworker or a friend or a family member, we can have compassion towards them. And we can uh, not take it personally, But understand, this person is weak. The enemy has wreaked havoc in their life. They've been susceptible to the work of the enemy. I have empathy for them, and I want to believe for their restoration. I want to believe for the character of Christ to be developed in my friend, in my family member. Let it drive us to prayer. Let it drive us to compassion and drive us to empathy. Lastly, ways to set boundaries. You may just need to walk away. After you've set boundaries and they've been ignored and they've been trampled, it's time for separation. Separation is a boundary in and of itself. When I say, that just, that just doesn't sound like Jesus. Yes, it does. Look at the gospel. Look at the gospel. There are those that were separated from him that he worked with. He said, I'm holy, you're not. You can't be in the presence of Almighty God, but I'm going to create a pathway, a narrow road with with strong guardrails on each side that you can walk to be with God. You're not cut off, but you will be cut out if you don't walk in this path. Jesus became that way for us, that opportunity. And then there are those that will ignore the gift of God, trample his grace under their feet. And ultimately, Jesus will say, depart from me. You walk away. I never knew you. 
Boundaries are helpful. Boundaries can point people to health and point people to Jesus. There may be somebody in this room that just says, man, I need to set something up, but I just want to love them. You will love them by communicating a clear boundary, and you can do it. You can do it. If you need help with that, meet with a mentor, meet with a counselor, call the church, set up an appointment. We can give you some counsel. First step, be direct. Have that direct conversation. Person A, talk to person B. Set up some boundaries. If you need help, we're here to help. There's person C waiting for you. Would you stand with me today? You know, Jesus is that person that we say we are better because of you. He didn't justify our sins, but he justified us in his blood. He enables us to be healthy by using boundaries to not lose our health with unreceptive people. He enables us to be healthy by caring about unity more than our ego and not being immature gossips, but courageously loving each other. So thankful for the work of Christ in our lives and in our church. I want you to be that bold witness, but I want you to shine your bold witness in a focused way where it is going to be received, where fruit uh, will come, and God will guide your heart towards the right opportunities. Speak the truth, be direct, be loving, and establish boundaries that will allow people to walk to Christ. Would you pray with me today? Jesus, I thank you for the opportunity our church has, God, and the literally tens of thousands of relationships that are represented by the people that are in this room this morning. Lord, you've given us a platform. You've given us a a light to shine. And God, I pray that we would steward it well, that we wouldn't uh, be up all night, Father God, with our mental and emotional states wrecked by people who are harmful and hurtful towards us that have a, a murderous and malicious spirit, God that just want to tear us down and destroy us, that are, that are in between us and the people you've called us to be, the person you, you're turning us into, Jesus, the calling you have on our lives. I know that there are a lot of obstacles to us walking that out, and some of those obstacles are people who are hateful towards you and hateful towards the gospel. And God, I just pray that you would give us influence where we can have influence. And God, you would bring fruit and results. Lord, I pray over... Uh, a marriage right now, God, that has a a lot of toxic traits in it, and there there needs to be some detoxification. God, help folks leave the toxicity behind and not leave the relationship behind, God. Give them boundaries with one another and help them walk out, Lord, uh, helpful steps to grow together. Lord, I thank you for all that you're going to do in the weeks to come and those that we're going to invite to come sit next to us and grow in their family relationships and their romance over the next two weeks. We love you, Jesus, and we thank you for this morning where we've worshiped together. Receive our praise now as you continue to work in our souls. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.